we've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, I don't know about you, but I can't keep up with my yard. Right? How many times have you mowed it this week is kind of the question. I am my own yard man, so I don't have to. But there is a sacrifice of just trying to get out there and keep up and not to try to keep the letters from the POA away, you know, get that yard mowed. I won't say every time, but often when I mow my yard, I, re, I remember those, those days of starting things up and trying to get them going. I remember one particular time when my uh, our oldest son, who's now 28, was the curious question-asking three-year-old. His name is Ethan, which means son of many questions. And we were out on our driveway, and it would, I had decided that it would be uh, helpful. I wasn't going to spend the $25 I spent the year before for somebody that really knew what they were doing to service my, lawn, my Walmart lawnmower, which was only worth $25. So I was going to change the oil, spark plug, and do the whole thing. I was going to service it myself. So there we sat. Well, excuse me, there he sat. And there I was dismantling the lawnmower, getting it already pulled the plugs out, emptied the gas, shut off that little valve thingy for the fuel, and the oil. Did, did the whole thing. And I knew this was going to be a great day. As my son at each moment asked questions, what are you doing, Daddy? What are you doing, Daddy? What are you doing? This goes, Okay. Because this was going to be a beautiful moment when I put the plug back in and filled it back up again. And here we go. And I fired. Well, I pulled. And I, and I pulled. And I pulled as I worked my way in circles around the driveway. At each pull, my son, Daddy, why won't it start? Daddy, what? Oh, so frustrating. So I, I'm sure I was short with him. And so I'm going, okay, spark plug. And got the oil. Oh. That little gas valve thingy, <laughs> you got to turn it on. Fired it up, and over the roar, I saw my son standing going, You did it, Daddy, you did it. <laughs> A successful moment. If you've been around church uh, for any length of time, uh, most of you have heard about worshiping God the Father and Jesus, excuse me, the, the, yeah, Jesus the Son, but many of us have not heard much about this often behind-the-scenes Holy Spirit, the third person of God. And we're in the midst of a sermon series where we are escorting the Holy Spirit, if you will, to the, to the front of the curtain to introduce you to Him. Some of you, for the very first time, because you didn't know He was even here. For some of us, it's an awareness of His presence in our lives, and it's just brand-new information for others, uh, we've known about him, but we've not appropriated the provision of him in our lives. We have not turned on the fuel line and lived in the power and, and, and understanding and, and guidance that, that he offers. And this is, a, you can go ahead and get that. This is exact. I'll wait if we. Just, but this is exactly, it's not even in here. That was awesome. That was great. <laughs> it's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he, a rabbi, was sitting around the Passover table as a teacher to his disciples, predicting his own death to his disciples, making them aware that they would face trial, 
in the coming days and trying to convince them again that he really was the way and the truth and the life. And he says to them in John 14, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world, uh, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he dwells in you and will be with you. Well, last week, Aaron helped us see that power, that tank, if you will, that was available to followers of Jesus. And as Aaron was preaching last week, I was standing back in in the coffee area, and one of our ministry partners leans over to me and says, this is really good, but but I want to know how. How do we live in the Spirit? How does he guide us? And I suspect, well, first of all, what he didn't know was I was already preparing the message for this week, and that's kind of where we're headed in answering that question. And I'm guessing that he's not the only one going, I just don't get it. I don't know how to live in the Spirit. How how can I live a Spirit-guided life? And so that's where we're headed today, to take a peek into that reality of our faith. We're going to explore it in three different ways. We're going to look first. We're going to see what Jesus had to say. That's always a good place to start, right? We're going to look at what he has to say. Then we're going to explore three different principles that help us to engage in this spirit-guided life. They're not the only ones, but it's a sermon, and sermon topics always come in threes, right? Did you ever notice that? I have three points today. I always have three points and a poem to end. And then... Thirdly, I want to give you a picture. I want to show you something that I practice every day when I recite this particular psalm every day and new meaning that has come to it as a result of what we're going to look at today. So what Jesus had to say, some principles, and then something to practice. But it seems appropriate before we dive into those things that we might ask the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, to help us today. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you are not someone out there that we have to coerce to come in here. But as we who follow Jesus, we've been gifted with a helper, with, with you. We pray that you would help us today to see things that we normally could not see without you that you would uh, clarify and, and, and help us to understand things that, that I cannot do. In fact, would you help me to step in the back and would you come forward and make your truth known today as you glorify Jesus in our midst, we pray in his name. Amen. So what did Jesus have to say? Well, this morning I want to zero in on one passage of Scripture. It's not the only passage of Scripture about the Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of it. But this particular passage might just be the clearest passage that says this is what he does. And I think it's helpful for us as we ask that question, how does he guide us? So remember, Jesus, this is the last week just before the crucifixion. And and Jesus is at the Passover with his disciples, and he's, he's laying out some things that are just going to be really, really difficult for them. He's, he's going to tell them that it's going to be hard. And in John 14, he begins to say, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
He also tells them, I'm, going to, I'm not going to be here forever. In fact, I'm going ahead of you. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He begins to tell them that he's leaving, but then he says, don't fear. Don't fear. The Father is sending this Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and he's going to be your helper. He says to them, I was your teacher, and I'm sending you another teacher, a guide, someone to lead you through. And then we get to John 16, 7 through 15. Let me read what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, in the Greek word is paraclete, the one who comes alongside of, within, he will, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will do this. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus' three uh, descriptions of what the Spirit will do are this. He will convict the world of sin. He will guide you into all truth. And he will glorify Jesus. Now that seems pretty clear, doesn't it? Let me unpack it just very, very quickly. First he says, the Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world. Now that's a very curious statement because sometimes I hear believers, those that follow Jesus say, I just feel so convicted of my sin. Now I know what we mean when we say that, but I want to challenge the use of the word Convict, Because he says right here that the Spirit is coming to convict who? The world of sin. And that the world is John's word for those that don't believe. In fact, he says it right there. Concerning sin because they do not believe. He says he, ex- he exposes them. The word means to expose, to, to, to convict. means being found guilty, condemned. For wrongdoing, wrongdoing. There's a punishment phase to follow under conviction. It says pursuing our righteousness. There are those in the world. The world is still striving to please God with stuff they do to get his attention. That's the world. He says concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He's saying that the world does not believe they're going to be judged for their sin and their unrighteousness. But to side with the wrong. God, you're going to get judgment. That's what he's saying. Here's the good news. Conviction is what takes place in the heart of the unbeliever before salvation. It's a necessary step. 
It's what happens when we don't believe. The Spirit comes and He quickens the heart of those that don't believe. And then they believe. But then conviction is over. That's for the world. It's not the right word. We know what we mean, but what He does now as a follower of Jesus is He he guides. We'll get to that in just a second. But for the believer, there is, Paul said, therefore, now no what? No condemnation. We're not condemned any longer. We don't have to live under the, the burden of that conviction that we are sinners. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You're no longer guilty. Jesus really did pay it all. We're done with that. So what about those times when you and I say that we are convicted of our sin? Well, there's certainly something going on that quickens our heart that says we're doing something wrong. I just think it's the wrong word because that's not what he does when we follow him. When we, I like to think of it in, in these terms. To, to remember who we are and that as followers of Jesus, you and I are sons and daughters of the living God. He is our Father. And as our Father, he would, you would never as a father convict your son, would you? Call him guilty? No, but you would do everything in your power to love him, to correct him, to discipline him like a loving father. You see, the relationship has changed from judge to father. Because he guides us. That should liberate us. That should set us free. In fact, that's what it says. He leads us in truth. And the truth is this word feeling liberated from that bondage. Liberated. John 8 was to say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Does that sound like conviction to you? No. It's freedom of walking with Jesus in the power of his spirit. So we've got those that are convicted. Jesus says he convicts the world of sin. But for you and I, if we say yes to Jesus, if we've responded to that conviction, he guides us into truth. The spirit of truth guides us in truth. I love Paul's uh, words in Corinthians Let me back up just a second. I jumped ahead. He he lives within us as free people following him. He lives within us, and he'll take us deeper and deeper into the purposes and truth of God. That's that's what he's doing. That's when he's shaping and correcting, and he's taking us into God's plan for our lives. I love these words from Paul. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But as it is written, no eye has seen and no ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You see, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. See, that's what he's doing in us. He's revealing the truths of God in us. See, the Holy Spirit's work is to guide us into all truths, to enlarge our ability to see, to change our perception of the world, to mature us, to correct us, and it's all centered in the person of Jesus. So you see the movement of all that is to convict the world of sin, to guide you and I into all truth. And the last one is that he might glorify Jesus. That's kind of the bottom line of what Jesus says the Spirit has come to do. The primary role of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. It's always been that way. It's always been his role. The Holy Spirit seems to always have been kind of behind the curtain, always pushing Jesus out forward, saying this is 
This is the reason for creation. This is, this is the reason. He, he is it. Holy Spirit will always put Jesus first. It's the nature of how the Spirit guides us. So, pause and think about what we ask of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we understand that his role in our lives is to guide us in truth and to always exalt Jesus, wouldn't it make sense that the best questions to ask him, as far as guidance is concerned, that they would line up with that? Does that make sense to you all? Our challenge is maybe we're asking with wrong expectations of him, the kind of guidance that maybe isn't what he's intended to always give. I know life presents us with real questions, and the real questions that we have are, should I marry her, right, or him? Should, should, I have, should we have children? Or we say, oh, no, I have children. How should I parent? How am I going to put the kids through college? Should I buy this house? Should I move to Denver? Should I change my job? Should I get involved in the community and government? Should, should I retire? Should I go to this church? I mean, we just got life is just full of fast and furious questions, and we want to know how to engage in God's plan with those things, but they may not be the right questions. I thought the Spirit was there to help and to guide us. Well, He is. But if we're going to ask for his guidance, we can expect him to fulfill primarily what he was sent to do. He's our counselor. Yeah, he's our healer. He's our strength. But his role is always to advance the kingdom of God first. Everything else comes in alignment under that to guide us in truth about God. Sometimes... Unless we understand that, I think we feel like we, we treat him a bit like a genie. If we rub the bottle just right, we get three wishes about my life and we can move forward, right? Anybody ever, well, no confessions at that point. According to Jesus' words, he's a present helper, our shepherd guide who whose primary role is to lead us away from the life of darkness and sin toward Jesus. And so, rather than the specific questions that we might ask about life in that way, maybe we should start with questions about guidance that look more like this. Holy Spirit, will you help me today to pursue all that is true and pure Now, that seems like a question that might help frame even some of our more basic questions, isn't it? Holy Spirit, how can I be more spiritually fruitful in my life? Now, that seems like a question that he'd love to answer for us, right? Or how about this one? This is a practical one. Holy Spirit, I hate my job. Will you help me to see and do what is most honoring to Jesus today? Now, none of those, which we'll talk about in a second, involved snatching you out of the situation. This is about going through, right? So it's helpfulness that he guides us through. So you get the idea. Remembering who we are and in Jesus and remembering his role as a spirit to exalt Jesus helps us frame the questions we ask of the spirit when we want his guidance. So the big question still remains, 
In fact, my friend is probably still standing out in the coffee area saying, yeah, that's really good. But, but I want to know how. <laughs> how do you do that? How, how do you live in the Spirit? How does He actually guide us? Kind of the feet on the ground question. What's it look like tomorrow morning? I want to give you three principles. Understanding the framework of what He really wants to do in our lives. And the first principle is this. He guides us on a walk, not a run. Now, there's some implications of this. Paul Paul wrote this letter to the church of ancient Galatia and gives a picture of walking in the Spirit when he says in, in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of your flesh. Evidently, uh, there's something empowering, even transformative, when we choose to walk, intentionally slow down the, the pace of our very rapid, distracted lives. I had this image of things we used to do with our kids where everybody's real close and you kind of walk and step like that. Remember you do that? And I was the only one. <laughs> when we walk with a friend, someone we love, it's, it, it, it takes timing. It, it takes a certain pace of life for the walk to happen in a meaningful way. It's a time of listening. It's conversation. We can't do that when we're running well. So this, uh, I recently joined up with some F3 men. Any F3ers here? I think one of the Fs might be foolishness, but I'm sure it's not in there. Because... um, (laughs) One of the less courteous things to do is lead an old man up a hill running fast and then asking him a question. Because you can't breathe, you can't even talk. There's a certain pace that you have to be at in order for conversation to actually take place. This this pace of companionship with the Spirit. And it requires some things of us when we are in that walk. You see, walking with Him... We can engage with his words. We, we can engage with what he's saying, what the Spirit is saying. And the, the, the real application is with Scripture. If we want to hear what the Spirit has to say, we should see how he has already spoken. It's not a real mystery, but it is a discipline. Second Timothy 3 says, all Scripture is God-breathed. Who does that sound like? That's the Spirit. The Spirit breathed the words into being and are useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting, not convicting at this point, but teaching and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. So there's something that goes on in this walk with God. It's this engagement with the Word of God with, through His Spirit. I love Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in your heart, my heart that I might not... What, do you know that? Sin against you? I I need that information. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, when we're walking, we we need that illumination of God's word to help us. So that's what happens when we're walking with Him. You know what else happens when we're walking with the Spirit? We can talk 
We can talk with God. We call that prayer. It's just a conversation. It's not, it's not a Hail Mary in the time of trouble. It's a conversation with God. It's lots of listening. It's being close. It's quiet enough that I can dis- learn to distinguish what we call a still, small voice of God. But you can't do that in a hurry. You can't do that with the clamor around us. It requires that, that walk. It's a walk. It's not a run. And thirdly, there's, it's something actually kind of surprising because we think we're in this walk all alone. But we are in this walk of faith, this journey of faith with others. And there are others that speak truths to us, but we've got to be in the company of, of friends and family that follow Jesus because the Spirit uses their voices to speak to us as well. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So during this experience, this time with with Jesus, it's a walk with the Spirit, engaged in His Word, talking with God, listening for others. That's a practical way to live. But there's a second part of this. As He guides us, He guides us with steps and not the whole map. Guys, just with just steps, not the whole map. So let's go back to the scene where chapter 16 of, of John, where he's talking to his disciples, and it gives us a bit of a picture of what this looks like. He's, in verse 1, he says, I have said all of these things to you with the implied now to keep you from falling. Now, because I, I didn't tell them to you before, but I'm telling them now. In verse 4, it says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. The timing wasn't quite right yet, but now I'm telling you this information. Verse 12 is even clearer. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Do you see the progression? there's, There's this unfolding of God's plan before them. Can you imagine the disciples on the day that Jesus called them away from their fishing boats and their tax booths? He said, hey, fellas, I've got this little enterprise I'd like to ask you to join me in. At the beginning, it won't be too bad. We're going to just sit around and talk a lot. We're going to walk. You're going to see some amazing miracles. But but then things are going to get a little bit tough. And and." Uh, well, I'm going to be crucified, and you're going to be persecuted because you know me, and some of you are going to be killed. Any takers? <laughs> no, that's not what happened at all. What were his first words? Just one step at a time. He said, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. What's well, that pretty good? Hey, uh, We're going to go to the other side of the lake where all the Gentiles live. It's going to be kind of weird over there, but come on, let's go over there. It's another step. Hey, I want you disciples to know that you have now authority over all the demonic realm and unclean spirits. You can go now and and you can deliver people. Hey, come over here around the table. I want to tell you something. You're going to deny me. And you're going to betray me. Here's a cup that represents my, my body, my bread and cup, body, blood for you, because I'm going to die. See the progression? God leads us in steps. Had they seen the whole map, hmm, it's more like for us as the GPS turns on our, on our phone. We get to see one turn at a time. 
Some of you want to see the whole map, but that's one turn at a time. Our culture has shaped us with expectations of projecting and planning and securing the future about our jobs and our finances and our family and our retirement. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't think about those things, but I am suggesting that the Spirit's short-term forecasting is far more accurate and trustworthy than your long-term planning. You can trust Him. We won't always know what is at the end, but He will always show us what's next. And that's the life of faith. We can fully trust Him. The last principle is... He guides us through and not around. The the Spirit wasn't given to the disciples so that he would just kind of snatch them out of the mess. He says, I'm giving him to you because you're going to have a lot of trouble ahead. And he, the Spirit, is the one that is going to guide you to the end. Uncertainty and trial will come. What Jesus was promising is, is a comforter and a guide. To the journey to the end. You see, the Spirit guides us. We, we often pray for rescue. We often pray that someone will not have trouble. We pray for all those things because we don't like that. But the Spirit guides us as followers of Jesus to live abundantly with Him, even in the midst of trial. The Spirit guides us to live on mission for God, and we must admit it will be hard. The Spirit guides us through the process of growing and being refined and putting off the old habits, and it's not easy. We often pray for healing and rescue from trial And it's really good to ask our good, good father for those things because what good father would not want to help us, be gracious to us? But I'm wondering if, again, it's the second question, and this should be the first. It might be, Father, I'm in the valley of shadow and death. I'm having a hard time, and I really, really want out. But more than that, but more than that, I want to glorify you and I want to grow in your truth and in my holiness. The bottom line question is I want to be refined on the inside before it's fine on the outside. That's the desire. That's the ambition of those who follow Jesus. How does he guide us? He guides us on a walk and not a run. He guides us with steps not with the whole map. And follower of Jesus, he's guiding us through with a a hopeful promise of eternity with him. As I immersed myself in these truths over the last couple of weeks, um, some principles seemed to to surface alongside of of a psalm that I use in my own devotional life every day. Every day I say this psalm. And when I would say, and it's going to be familiar to you, I know it will be. When I would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I really had never given much thought to who that was 
or how God, that was manifest in my own life. I guess, I guess I thought maybe it was God the Father, uh, although Jesus is called the Good Shepherd too. And I don't know that we necessarily need to divide it up and give all attention to who it is, but, but it occurred to me that it is the Spirit who carries out the work of God. It is the Spirit who cares for me and he comforts me and he leads me and perhaps our guide, the Holy Spirit, serves as a shepherd in our lives. So I began to pray it and recite it a bit more differently. In this journey of life, into eternity as I anticipate the Holy Spirit guiding me in truth. I have this psalm, a psalm of David, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in, in green pasture. Oh, here it is. He leads me beside still waters. Not, he, not on a run, but on a walk still waters. He gives me direction, helps me reflect. He restores my soul. He leads me, here it is again, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Oh, His namesake, the glory of God. He leads me in paths of becoming more righteous, not for me, but for the glory of God. You see the Spirit's purpose in that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death there it is again he doesn't lead me around it but i walk through the valley of the shadow of death and what because of his goodness and his presence i will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff they convict me no they comfort me they guide me they correct me. That's the rod and the staff are instruments of those. Here's a hope. He says, you prepare a table. In the midst of all this, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you have given me a place. You're preparing a place where I'm going to sit down with you one day at a table. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You bring healing. You anoint my head with oil. You call me royalty. You call me your son. My cup overflows with all of your good provisions and life. Now here is the pivotal point. A point of assurance that the, that the Holy Spirit can be trusted with every unknown step he asks us to take. Every step along the way. The next step. It will be through the mess. And you may, he says, it may be through the mess. It will be. And you may not understand how I'm guiding you. You may not understand what I'm doing. But know this. When you get to the end, when you are through, you'll turn around and you will see that surely goodness and mercy has followed you. I've been there the whole way. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we are going to discover and live out God's, God's story, our role in God's story as followers of Jesus, 
we have a great gift. It is the spirit of the living God that dwells in us. My invitation is guide us. Let him guide you as you walk with him. Would you pray with me?